Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. Before we start here, I just want to take a moment and call out to anyone listening who's experienced something they consider to be paranormal or supernatural. I'm working on an upcoming Halloween-themed listener story episode, and I'm going to feature those among you who've seen a ghost or experienced a haunting. So if you have something to share, send it to me in a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. That episode will be released just in time for Halloween. But if you want to get started on the holiday early, I just released the latest episode in my popular Walk Amongst the Dead in Halifax Cemetery Tour Halloween special, and that's available right now as an early release exclusively on Amazon Music. So again, if you have a ghost story to share, go to nighttimepodcast.com slash contact and get in touch with me. Now let's get to the episode. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal, handsome Aaron Airport, and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of October 24th, 2023, Aaron and I continue our trek through the unimaginable horrors that only Canada can provide in the lead-up to Halloween. We're going to discuss a funeral home's accidental cremation, We'll hear about what happened when a black bear approached a child on a tricycle. We'll hear from a survivor of the animal uprising. And the cherry on top, horrifically, is going to be the story of the hunt for a man who's been hiding needles around playgrounds in Saskatoon. Let's get into it. Handsome Marin Airport. I got to tell you something. I'm excited for tonight. Oh, really? Can you guess Aren't why? You ex- I, well, are you more excited than you normally are? Because you're excited every time we record. This more than ever. And the reason for it is because we got a great collection of stories, but that's not the only reason. Halloween is in the air. And because of that, we found a collection of horrifying, nightmare-inducing stories to cover this week. So it is... Without, in- without it intentionally happening, it is a Halloween special mm-hmm. without even covering Halloween. Is it, though? Uh, as we go through the stories, I think we'll, listeners will see that um, a lot of dark, creepy things happened in Canada last week. <laughs> I feel like this is a stretch. 
No, definitely not. We got like some really creepy stuff. We're going to be talking about. I guess, yeah. I guess now that I think about it, there you could you could slightly argue that it's Halloween-ish. We're going to be talking about a cremation. Yeah. We're going to be talking about needles hidden in playgrounds. There's one story that involves like a little kid on a tricycle pedaling happily as a black yeah. bear approaches. Yeah. We're going to be hearing about a landfill who had to remove a grotesque sign. Yes, that's very Halloween related. That one is. I think overall, when I looked down at my paper at these stories, I thought, I'm excited. Tonight is the night we're mm -hmm. going to do this. Uh, before we get into it, how are you doing? What's new? What's up? What's new? Um, not a whole lot. I started rehearsals for a new show. Uh, mm -hmm. We're doing Elf the Musical at the Savoy Theatre in Glace Bay, Nova Ooh. Scotia. Nice. And you're starting rehearsals. Are, well, I guess it's almost November. Yeah. 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 We're late into October now. It, it uh, you know, okay. takes a bit of time to put together. So what will you be doing? Are you directing or performing? I'm performing in it. I'm playing Walter Hobbs, the, okay. the father of Buddy the Elf. Okay. I've never seen the movie Elf. I don't even know. Oh my God. You haven't. Yeah. And I'm I, it's weird. And I'm a Will Ferrell fan. Oh my God. Elf is a classic Christmas movie okay. now. Like it's, it's becoming, you know, ever since it came out, like it's not that old when mm -hmm. you think of a lot of the classic Christmas movies that we watch every year, but Elf quickly became one of those movies and okay. that has become a tradition for everyone to watch. Uh, it's all over TV. You know, once December hits, you see Elf on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you sit down sometime and watch it? It's a lovely story. Okay. Uh, that's enough Christmas for our Halloween special, though. Yeah, I told you this this episode was not <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> I quickly uh, turned it into Christmas, I'm and I deflated your entire excitement for tonight. I'm sticking with it. I may even add the sounds of crows uh, cawing in the background uh, in post. And I may even pull out a set of jingle bells out of my my desk here and Just start having them. Competing holiday themes. Mm. Um Let's get into it here. We got a lot to discuss. I, we've already mentioned the stories that we're going to share and discuss as a way to keep Canada weird. We're going to hear about the bear approaching the child, the early cremation, the needles on the playgrounds, the landfill with the triggering display. But before we get into that, why don't we jump into a voice memo? Yeah, yeah. Let's dive right in head first. We got a lot. We got, um, actually, we have a very special voice memo this week that I'm going to save for a little later in the episode. Uh, let's just start with two pieces of voice memo that um, call back to topics we discussed last week and the week prior. Of course, you remember our discussion surrounding the pies at Costco, the pumpkin pies that were alleged to be selling at an, at an incredible pace. I think it was in Saskatchewan where this was happening. Mm -hmm. uh, that was two weeks ago. Last week, we had feedback on this topic as well. But this week, we have something special. We have an insider, an ex-Costco employee, who's willing to go on the record about the pie numbers. The numbers, the pie numbers meaning how many they sell. If you recall, when we discussed that topic, during a news article, it said like 16,000 pies a day or something. And you and I both are like, yeah, that's obviously like a miss. He misspoke or something. Mm -hmm. Listen to what an ex-Costco employee has to say. Hey, Jordan and Aaron. Uh, my name is Kimberly and I'm calling from Southern California. And I wanted to answer your question about the Costco pie numbers. And as absurd as 16,000 
Pies a Day may sound, that is about right. In the location that I used to work at in a city called San Dimas, we would sell a little over 20,000 pies a day, uh, all of the month of November and early December. And I used to work overnight, so the bakery area is running 24 hours a day. So I would go in from 12 a.m. all the way to 8.30, and they would just keep going for a month and a half. Anywho, I love your show, and you guys keep doing a great job. I still don't believe it. Even if a bakery was running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, making 20,000 pies a month seems impossible to me. Uh, it's, I guess, I mean, I don't know. We live in a, such a, a processed culture. Mm-hmm. I guess. They we've probably just, got- we've, humanity has learned to, to process things at a level that is unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's how we that's how we feed ourselves. We yeah, I guess pick so. one thing and we make it over and over and over again at nauseum. So I just think, given the amount, like the size of those pies, even the un, the oven space it would take to put twenty thousand of those through an oven in one day is wild. Yeah, but, mm. uh, the caller said that they were calling from San Dimas, California. Yeah, does that mean something to you? It does actually. Okay. It, it rang a bell as soon as I actually had a hard time listening to the rest of the voicemail because it, as soon as I heard San Dimas, I was like, I know that place. I know that sounds really familiar. Then it started to quickly piece together in my mind. That's the town that Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure are from. <laughs> Your brain is just full of interesting facts like that. Not all the time, but <laughs> but when it is, it really is. Yeah, I wonder if she knows that. I'm sure she does. I'm sure it haunts her to her I don't dying know. day. You maybe would be surprised at how few people would know that film. Like a if you're not if you're under 35, I bet you you've never heard of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, but they came out with a newer one during the pandemic. Did they? Do you remember that? Yeah, there was a sequel <laughs> that came out. I do kind of remember that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't recall it being a massive success, though. It was just okay. Okay. Uh, let's get into one more voice memo before we get into the stories. Uh, this calls back to last week. This is about Crazy Bins. Mm. We talked about Crazy Bins at the end of the, of the show last week, and I was kind of thinking when I included that topic in our agenda, I was thinking like, ah, I don't know if I should include this. Are people going to think it's weird? I just, I love talking about thrifting and stuff. I got so many messages about crazy bins. One of which is telling me that there's actually like a copycat sort style place in Halifax. I had no idea, but now I got wow. yeah, with the same pricing model and everything. So I got to go to it. But uh, here is someone named uh, Ronnie uh, who's talking about a crazy bin style Goodwill store that, that they frequent. Hey, Jordan and Aaron. This is Ronnie from Oregon in the United States. Um, I'm a long-term listener, and I've sent in a voice memo before. She said long-term listener? Doesn't that sound like a medical condition? (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to it. It's contagious. Um, I'm a long-term listener, and I've sent in a voice memo before about getting a can of chicken noodle soup chucked at me in the drive-thru of a fast food place. Um, by some teenagers. Yes. And I just needed to call in. I was listening to the latest episode of Keep Canada Weird, and I 
pause the episode so I could record this because I don't think you guys know what it is, but I was listening to the part about the Crazy Bin store. And here in America, I don't know if they have this in Canada. I've only been to Vancouver once. I didn't really go shopping a whole ton, but in the United States, there's Goodwills everywhere, and there's these stores called the Goodwill Bins, and they it's basically the same idea as the Crazy Bins with all of the huge giant like tubs that are like six feet by like three feet, and they have about 30 in like this big huge warehouse Goodwill store. And it's just filled with all of the stuff that people don't want from Goodwill. So you can imagine what's in there. I've literally found dirty diapers in these bins before. So I always wear gloves when I go, but everything is paid for by the pound. And um, Jordan was saying he can imagine the um, mayhem of just digging through the gross garbage of everybody's leftovers. And that is literally what these stores are. Um, because everything is about a dollar seventy-five a pound, and if you get over twenty-five pounds, it's only seventy-five cents a pound. So people load up their carts, and uh, there's like they set timers on things, and they'll replace a whole row of bins, and everybody just stands there and waits, and you have to wait for them to put all the bins there, and for one of the employees to say go, and then madness just ascends on these bins as people start plucking items out of there it's it's really crazy so um I just had to tell you guys that because it's like everything you guys were talking about except it's actually it's actually garbage it's actually like just random stuff um but crazy bin sounds good since it's all fresh returns so all right keep can keep keeping Canada weird <laughs> I'm glad she got that off her chest yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, that sounds like hell on earth. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's just it's just bins of dirty diapers, apparently, and, uh, and people arguing about it. Oh well, yeah, well, you know, at a dollar seventy five a pound, even if they're dirty diapers, I mean, who cares? It's only a dollar seventy five a pound. I don't like the sounds of that place. There's no Cr- words. Yeah, there's no words to really sum up the disgust and disappointments in the idea of that store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We appreciate that, and I I do recall uh, the story of uh, the teenager throwing the can of soup at her. Uh, oh, yeah, the memory the of it one. made yeah, me chuckle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not to laugh at someone's, uh, you know, soup throwing uh, misfortunes, but but here we are laughing. Here we are, and I'll continue to laugh until <laughs> I go to bed tonight. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's get into it here. It is now time to keep Canada weird by highlighting, discussing, and wrapping ourselves up in these stories, uh, these weird stories that took place in Canada over the last week, again with an emphasis on horror and darkness uh, on tonight's uh, agenda. Do you want to start with the bear approaching a child, the cremation story, the needles, the landfill? 
Let's let's go with cremation. I want to do cremation. Is that okay? Yes, yes. I consent to this. Okay. Um, this, although I'm kind of pitching this as a sort of a Halloween story, it is Halloween in the terms of, you know, it involves like death and cremation and these kind of dark topics. But this story is dark for an altogether different reason. As you'll hear when we get into it, Kara Passip was on the way to Spears Funeral Chapel in Regina, Saskatchewan to begin preparation for the wake for her 24-year-old son, Kyle, who had just recently passed away. So she's she's driving to the funeral home the day of the wake to prepare when her phone rings during the drive. Uh, she sees on her caller ID that it's the funeral home calling her. So, of course, she answers. When she says hello, they start the call with, I have terrible news for you. Your son had been cremated by mistake. So listen to the story and then let's talk about this. Kara Passip thought she was prepared to say goodbye to her son one last time. I'm just still in shock. 24-year-old Clyde Lone Thunder Passip died unexpectedly earlier this month. As part of First Nations culture, the family planned a wake and traditional feast on White Bear First Nation, intending to gift Clyde moccasins and other cultural items before his body was cremated. But that didn't happen. The day of the wake, Passip got a call from Spears Funeral Chapel telling her Clyde had been mistakenly cremated that morning. I just lost it. I just started crying. You know, I couldn't understand how the hell that could happen. The wrong body was transported to the crematorium. Spears owned up to the mistake, saying the error was a result of one employee not following proper policies and procedures. And the person failed to check the labeling on the casket. To Christensen's knowledge, this has never happened in the funeral home's more than 100-year history. Spears offering apologies to Passip and her family. We acknowledge that the result of our error was that they were unable to honor him in the right way according to their spiritual and cultural traditions and that uh, has caused them great pain. Pain that the family continues to struggle with. He was my best friend and I didn't get to see him. I didn't get to say goodbye. Spears says it reviewed all policies and procedures and effective immediately, two employees now have to check the casket before transporting it to the crematorium. They say appropriate disciplinary action will be taken against the staff member responsible. As for Passip, she plans to protest outside the funeral home and eventually pursue legal action. Oh, man. It's like... Uh... I've made mistakes at work um, and I've been on the receiving end of people making mistakes and, you know, screwing up stuff on me. But something like that is just like beyond next level. Is there a worse mistake you could possibly make? I, I don't know. Um, it's like you you go through the pain of losing somebody, you know, close to you that you love. And then you get a phone call after that to say that you've lost them again it's like mm -hmm. it's a weird thing that you would never expect to have happen yeah i never thought that that could happen but i guess it only takes one mistake for something like i guess someone has to an employee has to look at you know the casket or whatever make sure they're putting the right person in the cremator mm -hmm. um so i guess a mistake could happen but I don't, I don't know, just the idea of this, of this kind of mistake. I, 
I don't know what the result of this is. Certainly there would be like a lawsuit or something, but it's so beyond like the financial aspects of it. Even if they win a bunch of money or something in a lawsuit, that something this heartbreaking and dark could happen to a family is just unheard of. Um, let's talk about a couple things. First of all, what did you think of the owner of the company? He's on the news taking full responsibility. Full responsibility. That was, I was one impressed. of the things. Yeah, yeah I was impressed by that. Yeah, it's one of the things I wanted to bring up about it was the, yeah, the owner of the funeral home was like, yeah, we messed up. It was a mistake by one of our employees. We're making some changes to our procedures. So now two people have to check. Um you know, check a casket, the label mm. before it's it's moved in for cremation or whatever the process is. Mm. Um, so it seems like I would imagine if they pursue legal action that the funeral home will probably move straight to a settlement of some kind. Yeah, having it owned up to the responsibility and being like, you know, what what is the financial. Uh, price tag on this uh, essentially yeah i'm kind of questioning the protesting that the protesting was the weirdest part of it i found yeah like i i don't really know what the protest would accomplish uh, uh, and i'm not going to question how the family's feeling and what they're they're going for but i think having the owner of the business on tv looking straight at the camera saying like you know we did this our mistake has led to this family not being able to, mm-hmm. you know, say goodbye according to their cultural um, customs. We've changed our processes to make sure it doesn't happen again. Like, I think that is the best thing you could expect the business owner to do. Yeah, but it I, would be different if the funeral home was not owning up uh, to the mistake. Yeah, and I think if it was like a larger company they they wouldn't like you yeah so rarely then, do you hear a business say like yeah that's our fault completely and that would justify a protest you know we our our son was was accidentally uh, cremated the company is not taking responsibility for it uh so we're protesting this and and all of those things um but in this case yeah that i get the lawsuit still like you know mm-hmm. there's there's I can see why they would want compensation yeah, uh, for the grief and, and to go through this situation. Um, but the protests, I don't really, it, it almost seems like spinning the wheels, but like you say, it could just be a way for them to, to deal with the grief yeah. of the situation and, yeah. and maybe At, it'll help them move on. Yeah. That's a, Oh man, that is just an awful story. Um, I feel so bad for them. I feel bad for everyone involved, including that business owner, because I could see on his face in that news clip that he was remorseful Mm -hmm. um, and felt horrible. Who knows what mistake the employee made? Uh, They say they're going to, there will be kind of like repercussions or disciplinary action. I don't know. Even if they fire this person, you can't take back this kind of a hit. So it's, it's like a lose, lose for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do that will uncremate the body, right? So, no, that's the damage um, is completely done. And I guess maybe yeah. that's a part of the business owner being like, you know, this happened. There's no way out of this. We, we're just going to take it on the chin and learn from it. Yeah, take it on the chin. You know, uh, settlement will be the obvious way to go. I'm sure they mm-hmm. have insurance. Uh, yeah, probably. To- if they have insurance, like they would have insurance as a business or whatever. But um, I don't know if the insurance. 
it would i guess it would be the insurance company that would offer a settlement like the business owner i don't think could do that it's probably it's going to be between that family and the insurance company i guess i don't know i'm not I don't exactly know how sure work. uh but uh you know i'm sure there's I don't own a funeral home, so I'll just put it at that. Okay. <laughs> I can't, can't be, really say. It would be so weird if you did. You're just not the type. Hello. No. <laughs> welcome. Is that how a funeral director talks? No, but that's how you would there. They're normally. Oh, well, this like... is how I sound, is it? <laughs> this is your impression of me. <laughs> um, let's move on. To another story uh, that this one actually will move on to a story that directly involves Halloween. It seems every year as we move into Halloween, we start covering stories related to Halloween decorations. We've already done it this year. We'll probably do it again in our post Halloween episode, but we do have a Halloween decoration story today. This involves a BC British Columbia landfill, like a business, a landfill being forced to remove their Halloween display, their Halloween decorations. And you'll see why. I think if you, when you think of a landfill and Halloween decorations, I think if you know what's happening in Canada over the last year, you probably know where this is going. Uh, let me read you the article here. Staff at a Vancouver Island landfill have been ordered to remove and destroy a Halloween decoration amid complaints that it is cruel and distasteful, particularly towards Indigenous women. The sign which jokingly displayed Halloween special, or sorry, the sign which jokingly displayed special Halloween pricing for the disposal of bodies has decorated the entrance to the West Coast landfill near Tofino for several years. The sign reads, bodies buried $5, buried really deep $10. Similar signs have graced landfills and residential front yards ahead of Halloween for decades, but the dark joke no longer lands in light of the discovery of human remains in a Manitoba landfill last week and the belief that other Indigenous women were similarly murdered and discarded near Winnipeg. We recognize the wording on the sign is not appropriate given the sensitivity of the tragic events in Manitoba, said the Chief Administration Officer of the Alberni Clayaquit Regional District, which owns the landfill. Regional district staff instructed the landfill operator to immediately remove the sign and destroy it so as to ensure a similar error doesn't occur again. We apologize for this oversight and we are acutely aware that this may have been triggering to some individuals and we regret that it was not removed from our Halloween decorations earlier. So I'll just end it at that. The article goes on a bit longer, but um, I think... Uh, just my, my thought when I saw this article, I thought like a landfill on the west coast of Canada is advertising bodies being buried there. Did they not watch the news over the last year with, you know, the incredible public outrage by a landfill in Manitoba not being searched for the bodies of missing Indigenous women that are quite likely buried there? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those circumstances where somebody, yeah, who's who doesn't read the paper or watch the news or go out their front door, could mm. <laughs> go outside of their landfill. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They had no that's... idea about anything that's happening anywhere. So they've got their head in the landfill. Um, yeah. Where but I guess it, maybe they just, maybe they're, I'm wondering why they were ordered to destroy, not only take down the decoration, but destroy it. That kind of tells me like a, 
because the the decoration itself isn't like without being in the context of a landfill it's not this shocking horrible thing that should be destroyed i wonder if their excuse was like we have these decorations and they just come out of storage and we don't even think about it we just throw them up put them up every year i wonder if that's like well just destroy that one then so next year you idiots don't just put it back up again it's like one way to solve it you're gonna get the urge to put it back up again next year and we know how you are with your urges Mm. so we're just gonna make that not possible but i'm sure they'll build another one just as dumb oh god um shame on you landfill in bc that wasn't able to put together that that would offend people so here's the question though when they destroyed it did they what did they do with like that they burn it like what how, what did they do with it yeah if someone tells you to destroy a sign does that mean put it in a garbage bag and put it to the curb no because that's then it not just destroying. ends up back at their and it just ends up back at their landfill yeah good point that's extra complicated because they're a landfill yeah that's right I wonder if they would feel like that I kind of see like the set the making of a horror of a horror movie here like we destroyed that sign yesterday mm-hmm. and here it is it's back yeah Mm, um yeah i don't know but destroy is a lot different than throw away in the garbage destroy is like i feel like they it sounds like a burning situation they burnt the sign in a field smashed it yeah i don't know i i would like to see i would like to know actually the more i think about it what what did they do to destroy the sign like what what was the procedure Here's the thing is we can just call out to people who work for or work with this um, landfill and we may hear back And the reason I'm hopeful or the reason I'm confident that we may hear back uh, is I think this show is reaching a lot more people than we expect. Um, And I'm going to show that in dramatic fashion. We've been talking, you and I, on Keep Canada Weird. Members of Keep Canada Weird Nation have been spreading word about the animal uprising. This is a phenomenon that we've seen since the beginning of the show. The idea, the the phenomenon is, is that animals seem to be more aware of their role on this planet and their position in this planet, and they are taking steps to reclaim the title of apex predator, leader of the planet and they are doing so by way of what we're calling the animal uprising uh we've been talking about that for a while but our message in our discussion has got to somebody who quite literally is on the front lines of the animal uprising this is a survivor this is a victim of a horrific owl attack um i'm gonna play and, and this came to me quite naturally in the form of a voice memo. Listen to this voice memo I got from a listener named Lawrence. Hi, Jordan. My name is Lawrence. I'm calling you from Vancouver, British Columbia. I listen to Keep Canada Weird with you and Handsome Aaron Airport. I have a story, which is actually a year old, but hadn't heard this podcast, and I thought this would be perfect for it. With the animal uprising, it's a story about me running in the morning in uh, early November at 6 a.m. It's a park right by where I live called Lost Lagoon. has no lights at all, and I run in the morning with a flashlight, which I know is very stupid. And uh, and I actually had been attacked by an owl. And uh, the owl came after me. And at first I thought it was somebody hitting me with a baseball bat, bat 
in the back of my head. Didn't realize that it was a live animal. And it, uh, when I turned around to face somebody, I saw this huge creature swoop down and I ran from where I came and it swooped down and grabbed my toque and it came back for a third time and left uh, talon marks on my head. I had to get a tetanus shot. All of this to say it made the news. So it was a pretty quiet day in the newsroom and I got on it and I can send that news clipping to you and Aaron. So if you're interested, just let me know. Keep up the great work, you two, and happy Halloween. So when I got that voice memo, mm. I remembered the story. I don't know if, I don't think we talked about it, but I do remember a story about a guy getting a toque stolen by an owl. So of course I did what would come naturally and I Googled it. And I found the article that he's referencing. This is about a year ago, as he mentions. And it's and I'll just play the audio of the article or the audio from the news clip covering his attack at the hands or at the talons of an owl. Listen to this. When you can't see where it's coming from, there's just a innate fear that's quite different when, when you can see something coming at you. Lawrence Kemikawaji runs along this path near Lost Lagoon in Vancouver almost every morning. But on Tuesday, his run was anything but the usual. Just headed down this way. It's the very spot here. I feel what I thought was a baseball bat hit the back of my head. And I turned around concerned, thinking somebody would be standing there and I didn't see anybody. So I was shining my flashlight around and I saw a huge owl swoop down. And so I started running back to where I came in. He says the owl attacked him two more times, once making off with his toque. He says he was left with scratches on his head and needed to get a tetanus shot. I've run down this trail many times and it's the first time I've actually been attacked by an owl. So, and I love owls. They're majestic creatures. I, I think they're wonderful, but not when they're coming after you. Kemikawaji says for now, he's going to think twice before running at dawn. Be wary, I guess, about where you're running and what time and, um, and be aware of your surroundings. Just be respectful of nature. It's, um, we're running in their habitat, not the other way around. I'm just uh, picturing all these owls in that area flying around with human clothes on. <laughs> Well, they had to. I wonder why they took his toque. One owl flies flies through in a tuxedo. <laughs> uh, I wonder. <laughs> there's some naked guy in a wedding photo. Hell? Like, well, I went. I, I walked to the wedding through the trail, and then I got attacked by an owl, and he took my clothes. Uh, I enjoyed the way Lor the the news clip of Lawrence. Um, I enjoyed the way he ended it by saying, "We got to be respectful that we're in their their." This is their world yeah, or their, this is their, their environment. Yeah, yeah, we got to, you know, I, th I think that's the kind of um, perspective you get only after being like almost killed by an owl. Yeah, and this still, we covered an owl, not this one in particular, but there was one that we covered before, an owl yeah, attacking. They, they shut down a little section of a of a nature reserve or something. I don't recall the story, but we did talk about an owl attack something before. Something similar, yeah. And it always reminds me, I think I brought this up on the show when we talked about another owl story but it was the the documentary the staircase yes yes um where the 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 husband is accused of of pushing his wife killing his wife by pushing her down the stairs but then later on a very popular theory comes out that gets explored that it was an owl that attacked her <laughs> outside and then she came in and stumbled down the stairs mm. 
Um, which does, you know, the owl theory is a good one because there are, if you watch the documentary, it does connect a lot of the dots uh, and explain a lot of the peculiar aspects of the, of the case. Um, What do you think of the net we're casting getting cast far enough that we're actually getting survivors of high profile animal uprising incidents coming out of the woodwork and, I guess we can say telling their story here for the first time, despite that news clip we heard. Yeah. And part of me is concerned Mm -hmm. um, as you and I both spend our time shedding light on the animal uprising and, and educating the pot, the human population about it. uh, We could be playing with fire in a sense where the animals might realize that, we are allowing the humans to start to put their guards up about the animals to start to expect an animal Mm -hmm. uprising when the animals would prefer if the uprising came by surprise. However, if you and I are, are telling people about and to expect an animal uprising, then we might become animal enemy number one Mm -hmm. and two. They may need to shut us down. You're saying. They may need to shut us mm-hmm. down, and uh, that concerns well, me. Well, I think uh, one thing we got going for us is a lot of animals uh, don't have the ability to hear where we would be broadcast. People may play this in their homes uh, where their cats and dogs are. We've said before many times that they're a friend of the human, um, and they don't want their position in nature to change or position yeah, in society. You're, under, you're underestimating a lot of animals have super hearing mm. a squirrel sitting outside a window the, the perverted squirrel outside your window yeah that could be one but uh lots of you know dogs have excellent hearing you know lots of animals have super hearing mm. you hear about it all the time that's true mm. well maybe we should stop talking about it after this because yeah, we don't know enough about it <laughs> after no i mean about the animal uprising but we Maybe we'll take a break from it, but not until after this next story. This story, I think, is appropriate to discuss and hear about just on the cusp of Halloween. This, again, involves a young child driving their tricycle playfully outside of their home when a black bear approaches, walking towards the child with, I'm sure, murder in its eyes. Um, The whole thing was caught by a home security system. And it ended up being uh, put online and being shared widely. This event happened in Port Coquitlam, BC. Listen to this. Slowly but curiously, a bear approaches a young boy who had been riding his scooter. Moments later, a man walks over, arms wide, and scares the bear as it runs away. It was pretty frightening. Caitlin Brett was pulling into her dad's driveway on October 1st around 8.30 in the morning with her husband Liam and their two children who were under three years old when she saw the bear in her rear window. I could just see the intention of the bear like going towards the the kid. So then I was like, call Liam, go, 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 go. And so then he's like, what am I doing? I'm like, there's a bear, there's a kid. While surveillance video shows the child acting quite calm, Brett says it was the opposite. And the child just looked like he was frozen in fear. Like I could see his shoulders shaking. Thankfully, no one was hurt. There's no guarantee on how 
you know, how this could have turned out. It could have gone the other way as well. Wildlife experts say there's increased bear activity right now as they prepare for hibernation in need of up to 25,000 calories per day. This year has been even more challenging for the bears. Um, we've had a difficult year for drought and how does that impact our wildlife? Well, their food sources start to deplete. Which draws them into neighborhoods likely searching for food. It's just a, a real reminder that we have chosen to live in wildlife habitat and it is our responsibility to make sure that we're not attracting uh, bears into our neighborhoods with you know, things as garbage and fruit trees. The city of Port Coquitlam recommends people lock up their garbage and green bins, storing them in garages or sheds to keep bears away from food sources in order to make sure everyone can coexist safely. The image of a little kid on a tricycle with the bear just standing there feet like a like a foot and a half away from it staring at it is pretty scary um mm -hmm. what do you think of the guy approaching the bear he the, the man who scared the bear off the bear off he walked towards the bear with both of his, both of his arms stretched out like the big letter t yeah he he followed the rules that the the suggestions that you see on every hiking trail and campground make uh, yourself look big Make yourself look big and, and the, make noise. And the bear and, took off. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, though, when you see, I don't know, maybe some people are just listening to this and they're not, maybe they don't search out the video. But if you do, you kind of see the bear gallop over before the man shows up. You see the bear cross the street, gallop over to the child. And then the bear stops for a second, though. Mm. Like, it doesn't go right at the, the child, mm -hmm. you know. He stops and he looks for a second, and then the man comes and scares the bear off. It's it's an interesting moment. I'm just wondering what was going through the bear's head. You know, mm -hmm. was the bear still not, still hasn't decided that it's going to eat the child, still hasn't decided if it's a food source or not, goes up to it to inspect it to see if it's interested or not. Look. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that maybe the bear was like, what is this weird thing? Because it's driving a tricycle and it looks like it's like a little metal tricycle. So there's probably some weird little clicks and clanks and stuff happening. Maybe the bear was just curious about that. Who knows? But maybe the bear, maybe the bear escaped from a circus oh, yeah. where the bear had to ride a tricycle as part of the show and it was about to give some advice to the kid like you're doing so that. i was to be like listen you know uh i noticed that your your spokes are squeaky i don't know much about bikes clearly <laughs> the spokes are squeaky <laughs> uh maybe that's what i happened. don't know enough yeah something like that uh yeah i don't know but it is a weird a, a weird video I, it's it's so strange to see like, a bear in such an urban area mm -hmm. It happened. Um, we don't get them around. I've never seen one in the wild before. Thank God. But I think they're terrifying. They're, they're just so big and strong and in almost like, you know, you watch a, a zombie movie, uh, like the zombies just march around these mindless beasts that just want to grab and eat human beings. I feel like bears are almost like zombies. Like they feel it to me. It feels like they don't have much like personality or emotion they're just driven by the desire to like get food and if they look at you and they think you're food or you have food they won't give it a second thought of just you know tearing you apart and they're so strong they could do that the the um, how 
a bear, a black bear could manhandle that little child if it wanted to is just a horrifying thought. And you could do nothing to stop it if it wanted to. I guess except well, to put your arms out and go, Whoa. put your arms up. Yeah. Which, which, which to us looks like you're going to give the bear a hug, but I guess to the bear, Hey, just like last week's episode or whatever. Yeah. The bear hates hugs. Bears hate hugs. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't hug me. Um, well, that's a great seg, a perfect segue to our next story. Bears may ha hate hugs, but do you know what human beings hate? Do you know what parents hate? The idea of dirty needles laying around on the ground where your children are going to be playing. This next story has bothered me since I heard it on the news um, two or three days ago, I believe, is when this story first came out. This is certainly a Halloween story because to me as a parent who spends a lot of time at playgrounds this is absolutely chilling this is the story of uh, it relates to a call out that the Saskatoon police uh, put out earlier this week letting the public know that they're on the hunt for a serial needle needle hider who is using schoolyard playgrounds as his twisted play site this seems to have started back in July but up until recently there has been no uh, avenue to investigate the needles that have been found around all different school playgrounds, but they now have some evidence that is allowing them to share with the public what is going on. Listen to this story. I mean, this isn't chilling. On multiple occasions, as far back as July and August, police have become aware of needles being found in playgrounds and schools in the Hampton Village neighborhood. At the time, no further investigation was possible, but parents were notified of the incident and police have followed up. It's very serious and it's something where, you know, oftentimes we get these calls uh, and we refer to the fire department to just get rid of the needles. Uh, in this case, we have to investigate. After receiving new reports and corresponding video evidence this week, Saskatoon police released a picture and posted a video of a person they believe is responsible for intentionally discarding needles onto playgrounds. I very very distinctly you see someone that's dressed in kind of a hoodie uh, you can't really see their face uh, too well but they walk around the uh, the playground area and it's very unusual what they're doing because it appears that they are from what you could see throwing needles onto the ground and sort of burying them the school resource unit continues to investigate and police encourage parents guardians caregivers and educators to be observant when in public parks and on playgrounds it's it's so disconcerting and so unsettling it'd be one thing if it was one or two and it was a one-off but it's it's upwards of 12 to 16 each time and they seem to be maliciously hidden. Parents are concerned that with young children on the playground, they might not know what to do if they find a discarded needle. One of my children are is very young and can't necessarily communicate if they had picked up or come across a dirty needle. And so you're on hyper awareness. Police encourage the public to watch the video and to be on the lookout for a slim male in his late 30s or early 40s with stubble and a mole under his right eye. He was last seen carrying a maroon or black backpack with a walking stick. I find that so upsetting. The Like the idea that a needle would be found at a playground and you know maybe an injection drug user was in the playground and they left the needle behind i find that so upsetting but this isn't like one needle you heard in the clip there in some cases there'd be up to 16 needles found and they're not just laying in the open 
this person is like deliberately hiding them. You see in the news clip, uh, in the video the police shared, you see him like drop a needle on the ground at the bottom of the slide. And then with his foot, it looks like he's kind of like, the, the ground is like little pebbles, like little small rocks. It looks like he's intentionally kind of burying the needle at the base of the slide. That is horrible. Yeah, no, it's it's disturbing. It's it's really disturbing. Like beyond disturbing. I don't, yeah. They, yeah. they got to get this guy. I'm surprised, like, when you can see the security footage that they showed in the in the news clip, I'm surprised they could make out the detail that they did in their description where they even had uh, the fact that he has a, a, mole. a mole under his eye. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm surprised that they were able to get that amount of detail out of the security footage because when I watched it, you know, it looks it looks somewhat grainy if you were to try to zoom in on his face. Certainly, it's the cameras like kind of like connect, probably connected to the school or something, and pointed towards the playground. But this man, like as you see in the video, he's it's not like it's a close up photo or anything. I'm I'm surprised they maybe they have some other information that is telling them about the mole. Like maybe they're mixing the security video with the the um um. Uh, uh, eyewitness account of maybe someone walked past him or something but i think like this is the kind of crime and situation that i think they need to pull in all like call all this pull in all the stops what is that saying they need to do everything they can like go get security footage from nearby businesses and gas stations and homes ask people who are driving in the area for like dash cam video like get whatever like they can't have someone hiding needles at a at playgrounds like that's that's nuts uh maybe they should fence in this playground or i don't think it's fenced in right now well it's, but... it's at a public school though so it, it wouldn't be fenced in yeah maybe they could fence it in because it, i mean even specifically for this needle dropper um he looks like he well, he carries a stick for some mobility issues perhaps mm-hmm. so yeah it could prevent him from getting over into the playground and and you know might be at least something to do but um it's it's crazy too because kids are usually always kids are usually already at a young age afraid of needles you know whenever you have to bring a child into to get you know a vaccine or some kind of a booster shot or you know go to the doctor usually the needle part is 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 the part you know they're most fearful of Mm -hmm. and then after stories like this like just imagine how how intensified that fear is going to get when uh your parents and your teachers are warning you about needles constantly in the playground yeah man but it's um I, i think when i just think of my children if they saw a needle, they would know that it's dangerous and there's a risk and they wouldn't go near it and they would come and tell me. They actually, they tell me often they get, my youngest is like scared of cigarette butts. So if he sees a cigarette butt, he'll like run over because he knows they're bad. But this is different because these needles aren't like laying on the ground, they're hidden. So this is, mm-hmm. it's like, it's intentionally, it's not like he wants, this person, it doesn't seem like they want to scare kids by showing them needles. It seems like they want to pierce the kid's skin with the needle. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's just a coincidence and he just sees gravel and he's like, well, I'm going to bury my needle, but it looks definitely intentional. 
Um, I, I, I mean, the individual, even from the security camera, looks sick. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like they're all there. You know? uh, yeah, so, they're, they're dressed in kind of odd clothing. They have their hood up. They're using a walking stick. They have a large bag. They just look a little odd. Um, yeah, but this person it, has it, to be sick. It's we're probably trying to, we're probably wasting our time trying to add logic to a, to a scenario that where logic doesn't exist. Right? Um, it's probably um, someone who's uh, dealing with uh, some mental health issues yeah. and is. But so, and this is what just what they're doing. But someone need, like they need to get taken, not not taken down. They need to get identified. In this needs to stop. Uh, oh, absolutely, it's, it's it a, does. Yeah. I can't think of a story that I've heard that has uh, upset me more, or that kind of concerned me more. You know, it's you hear the story of like some random person gave out drugs on Halloween, or someone you know did this or that. But this is just like the most vile trap being set in a playground for kids i i don't not happy with it they got to uh they got to stop this guy um but speaking of stopping this guy no that's not a segue how do we segue no. from that dark story into just talking <laughs> um uh want to pretend it want to put our heads in the landfill and pretend that this isn't even happening and just go on with our lives yeah, yeah. Let's do that. My cat is in the background making an insane amount of noise right now. He's th he's so upset that I'm doing something other than feeding him right now. Oh my gosh. Okay, good. Thank you for the distraction. See, cats save the day. There you go. Um, there you go. But you'll probably hear him in the editing of this episode. You're going to hear there's like some wrapping paper back there and he's just like jumping into it and like shaking it around because he knows it gets a reaction out of me. <laughs> And he wants me to follow him downstairs is uh, what he's doing. Um, it's it, both you as well as Madeline Klein have very active cats. Madeline, when we record, it's, it's constantly an issue with her cats n knocking their heads on the doors and everything else. I'm excited for tomorrow night. I guess this is a good opportunity to tease this. Tomorrow night, we're going to be recording our Halloween special. It's another it's the next episode in a series I do every so often called Nighttime's haunted listeners which is um an opportunity for listeners of the show who've seen a ghost were bitten by a vampire attacked by a werewolf abducted by aliens to share their supernatural encounter with other listeners of the show and for this year's episode which will be a halloween special um myself yourself handsome aaron airport and ms madeline klein the three of us are going to get together and we're going to listen to the stories and share our opinions and thoughts on them and probably end up a little scared by some of them. How are you feeling about this? Nervous. I am too. Yeah. Are you scared yeah. of I mean, ghosts? You say that, well, I mean, you say that these, you keep pumping these stories up as, as terrifying, scary. Uh, it's, it's making me nervous to hear them. Though. Um, I think you're going to be okay. Cause you'll be among friends. Uh, but okay. it is going to be, something special i'm looking forward to yes. it i'm looking forward to the holidays uh halloween which are about a week away i'm looking forward to going see to see the five nights at freddy's movie that's a horror movie based on a video game five nights at freddy's that my yes. oldest son like he loves the video game but here's the complicated thing is my oldest son is like such 
a scaredy cat. He like any scary shows, uh, anything that's remotely thriller is um, it, too upsetting for him. You can't handle it. But he loves Five Nights at Freddy's. And now that the movie's coming out, he's put in this position where he's like, it's like one of my favorite games, but it's a horror movie. What do I do? Uh, I've talked him into it. He's going to go see the movie with me. And I'm really excited to see how he handles it. Uh, because again, I can't stress this enough. Like he cannot handle scary stuff. Well, just be prepared to leave 20 minutes into the movie. Mm. <laughs> you and Dom are just out of there. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. So let's wrap this up, Aaron. Um, but before we do anything you want to say, anything you want to tease or talk about, anything you have coming up personally or professionally. Well, I talk about that stuff at this top of the show. Yeah. So, so I don't think that I want to continue uh, talking about my personal life at the end of the show. Yeah, I guess we don't need to bookend it with, we get enough mm-hmm. air for one episode. I know. Yeah. People are vomiting right now. They have so much details about me. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Handsome Aaron Airport, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, share the news article about the guy hiding the needles in, Sas- in Saskatoon because someone out there knows who he is and he needs to be stopped. Well, whoever the needle seller is in that area probably knows who this guy is. Mm, ask a pharmacist. So, so, Jordan, until next time, go directly to the source of the needles and you'll find the answer. Follow the needles. Mm-hmm. And then drop the needles in the Maestro Fresh West sense of that song. <laughs> yeah, not uh, in not in the, the not in the literal sense of dropping needles. Um, it just edit all this out, actually. <laughs>I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mission to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out to you for even greater support. If something weird happens in your neck of the woods, let us know. If you have any comments or feedback or insight on any of the stories we discuss on the show, let us know about that too. And if you just want to riff on how awful Tim Hortons is, we welcome that. You can contact us via voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We're excited to hear from you. Now, before we part here tonight, let me end with some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers, and Monty Data, who contributes the outro O Canada music for us. And then lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to each and every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. And on the topic of support, I want to thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed, Leslie, Bailey, and Trish, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can help us out in a variety of ways. First of all, a premium feed subscription costs just a couple dollars a month, and that money funds the creation of the show. But a premium feed subscription also gives you the episodes two days early, gives them to you ad-free, and gives you access to a full back catalog of episodes. You can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And if you don't want to go premium, but still want to support the show, the best way to do that is just sharing this episode on social media and letting all your like-minded friends know about the work we're doing to keep Canada weird. We appreciate your support in growing the show. I'm going to end with that. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. 
Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast. And now to our viewers and listeners everywhere. Good night. I just got a request for, why don't we lighten this up? I just got a request for Ken Tiggs. Uh, he's right okay. here. So I, I don't, it's not all the time that I'm able to okay. fill that request. Let's get him. So hold on. Let's get that big guy. Ken Tiggs is Aaron's cat. Basically his roommate. In all his glory. Say something, Ken. Say something. He's, he doesn't look like a happy cat. <laughs> Well, he wants he wants to eat right now. So when I went to uh, when I went to uh, get him, he uh, he ran. Oh, really? He ran down to the kitchen like he like he wanted me to. Oh, I was wondering where why it took you so long. So he thought that's what you're doing was you're getting up to feed him. Look at him looking around. How old is Ken Tiggs? <laughs> uh, he's about fourteen. Jeez. Tania says, "I love that cat, that beautiful beast," and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Grumpy Chat is certifying you as an awesome cat dad. I think that is fair to say, right? Yeah, there's not too many things that I will own up to, but that is one of them. Guilty as charged. I do go above and beyond for my boy. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of that, you go feed him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's very patient. I better go. <laughs>